This episode of Contentment Creation is brought to you by Amazon Music. Amazon Music houses over 70 million of your favorite songs and podcasts, including different exclusives that are only available on Amazon. Whether it's listening to that new podcast, Baby, This is Kiki Palmer, or even listening to Paris's version of Stars is Blind here in 2023, Amazon Music has you covered for all your favorite songs and podcasts, including this very one right here. To get started with a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music, go to getamazonmusic.com slash Jose Can You See, getamazonmusic.com slash J-O-S-E-C-A-N-U-C, and start saving and streaming today. Thank you again to Amazon Music for partnering with me for today's episode. Today's episode of Contentment Creation is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Company. Grinding Coffee is LGBTQ plus owned based out of Georgia and is an online retailer for coffee shipping domestically in the United States. They house a variety of blends and flavors to fit whatever your coffee needs are. Whether it's something a little bit more mature and substantial like the Bourbon Delight, or maybe on the sweeter side of things like Turtle Dreams, Grinding Coffee has you covered for creators and gamers alike. To get started with a 10% discount, go to grindingcoffee.co and use code JOSE today to start saving on some fabulously gay coffee. Thank you again to Grinding Coffee for partnering with me for today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Content with Creation. I'm Jose Gonzalez. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Thank you so much for all the support over the last few weeks. It's been a great start to 2023 and I'm looking forward to see where else we can go this year. And uh, I figured for this episode, we'd take a trip across the pond with one of my dear friends. She's done so much in the realm of uh, social media content, whether it be cooking, uh, whether it be her YouTube channel, her blog, whether it be pro wrestling coverage. The incredible Shirley. Shirley, how are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Like, I know there's a lot to talk about in this, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have a lot to talk about than nothing at all. So that's yeah. always a good sign <laughs> of how much you've actually gotten to do over the years. And I'm so excited mm -hmm. to get to catch up with you as well. Yes, it's been a while since we've properly spoken, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know if it's been like a few different... Was like, it Orlando? Wrestling, like... You know, I never got a chance to go to Orlando. Ah! I think the plan so was I, I was going to do Tampa before reason. the world ended, and then oh the yeah, world well, ended, yeah, probably so we then. <laughs> well, I mean, it happens, but yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to finally get to catch up with everything as well. Yes, there's a lot to talk about. Let's get into it. Perfect. So, I mean, the good thing is that uh, our generation has been very much in line with how the internet has grown over the years. So, do you have any fond mm -hmm. early memories of the internet? MySpace was kind of like where mm -hmm. it began for me, like in 2005, mm -hmm. where um, my content creation journey started there. And what I would used to do is, I was thinking about this, I, was, I didn't realize this until I thought about it. I used to run fan sites for TNA wrestlers on MySpace. So it'd be oh, things wow. like, um, there was a faction called Serotonin and it had like Frankie Cazero, who was one of my favorites at the time. Mm -hmm. And I did the fan page for him. And like, they would put you in your top eight at the time. It was really funny to mm -hmm. that. And then my sister Haley was like, why don't you do one on Samara Joe? And I'm thinking in my head, Samara Joe would not respond to the Samara Joe fan site on MySpace. So we made it. And then we went on a holiday with my school to Italy. Mm -hmm. We'd come back. And we'd got a message from Samara Joe on this oh, wow. fan site page. 
and it just freaked us out and then we were both hooked onto like that sort of content creation journey it started on myspace for me and then it moved to uh, pixo i don't know if you had <laughs> pixo in america but it I was don't like think a I web did. So it was just like a web page and you had all these different elements and you move them around to try mm -hmm. and make it look like a fan site. It was free. But oh, wow. Oh gosh, it was very clunky. We're thinking about this very clunky bit of web tools, but Pixar, I'm going to throw that name out there and see whether that sticks. And that just shows how long I've been in this content creating world. Yeah, I think for me, the one that I always remember like being kind of clunky in the very early stages was Wix mm. before it kind of became like a real like competitor to something like a Squarespace. But I would yeah. have never thought that people were doing fan sites on MySpace of all places. I'm so used to like thinking about like very like cringy like look backs at like younger years, like having your song <laughs> pinned on your page, like everyone yeah. trying to become a musician before SoundCloud. Like, do you remember mm -hmm. what your MySpace song was on your personal profile? I think I was at that point when it was busted. Oh so, no! There's a boy band out here called Busted, and like, <laughs> the original I year three thousand, by the way. The original year three thousand. The Jonas Brothers stole it from them, but like it was, there was an album called A Present for Everyone, mm -hmm. and it had some of my favourite songs on there. I think it was Who's David was on there for a long time, oh. um, by Busted. Um, that was that one, and I also had a Hilary Duff moment. Like I think everyone had a Hilary Duff moment. Yeah, when you had to. Came out of Metamorphosis. Like mm -hmm. that album was just like change, life changing. So it was between Hilary Duff, Busted. I tried to have like Paramore on there to seem cooler than I was. Um, <laughs> but then also you could have wrestler themes on there too. So I would have, um, who was the one? Melina's themes, Eminem's theme. Yeah, was on Paparazzi there. is always theme. a good wrestling theme. Yeah, you got uh, Batista's theme, Randy Orton's mm -hmm. original theme. Like I had wrestler themes on there too. So it was a mix of trying to make myself look cool with Paramore, showing what I really like with Busted and Hilary Duff, and then throwing in wrestling in there at the same time. I love that. Checked all those different boxes, too, which is phenomenal. So <laughs> getting uh, from the creation side of things to the consumption side of things. So obviously, taste evolves over time. But like, do you have like content that you always gravitate to for like comfort watching or just certain creators that always hook you in with the things that they post? So I've recently discovered uh, Denise Salcedo. Mm -hmm. um, her content, I just think, wow, like she's doing the thing that I wish I could be doing, like going off everywhere, being her own boss. That's always been like a dream of mine, doing mm -hmm. that sort of like video content on wrestling and doing the thing that she loves and going around everywhere and being recognized by everyone. So I recently discovered her um, Nikki tutorial, going on a completely different tangent, yes. Nikki tutorials. I've discovered her and I'm just like, I love your makeup tutorials, girl. Like I follow a lot of them now because she's just so good. And mm. I think with all content sections now that I like are so saturated. And I think, can I jump in there now? Or do I just let other people have their thing and I try and find the next thing? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, thing to mention, too, because content nowadays, like everyone and their mother, it's either they have a YouTube channel, they have a podcast, mm -hmm. they have some sort of yeah. avenue that they're exploring that may seem saturated, but you can still enter those like very much like heavily populated areas of creation, mm -hmm. but still come up with something that kind of makes you stand out. So like maybe yeah. you could be doing a makeup tutorial, but like your thing is you're coming into it from like maybe a different ethnicity where like certain complexion mm -hmm. isn't always going to be feature the same way maybe you're focusing more yeah. on lower end products because it's more accessible so like things you can get at a booth yeah. versus things you can get at sephora and like things like that so definitely finding 
maybe a different way to stand out, but still kind of be in that same realm because eventually you can feed into the algorithm be like, oh, you're watching this. Maybe they'll put you up there with it too. So you never know. It's <laughs> kind of playing a little bit of a game with it. I think what uh, content creators should be doing these days is kind of keeping an eye out for the next big thing mm -hmm. and keeping an eye out on those like social media platforms that are in their infancy and then those are going to be the ones that will blow up in five years and everyone wants to jump up on them. So, for example, TikTok, I discovered that in 2019, but mm -hmm. now everyone's on TikTok and everyone's yep. creating content, making UGC and trying to put themselves out there on TikTok. But if you discover it in the early stages and become an established name in those platforms, then I feel like you're more likely to be seen as a reliable figure on those platforms and you can build up your community like that. Yeah. And I mean, I think the big one right now as an alternative product would probably be Hive, where right now mm -hmm. it is very much in the infancy. I like the fact that it kind of takes elements of like a microblog, but also like more of like a timeline approach to like short form posting. It would be interesting to see like what they do mm -hmm. with like media side of things. Like if you might be able mm -hmm. to do like longer form videos versus just like a two minute limit that we're used to with something like a Twitter and just kind of see how that evolves, especially as yeah. people are really getting fed up with Twitter. I know I am. <laughs> Did I just but it's really funny you say that. Blue again, but so it's really funny you say that because, like, <laughs> I work in the PR world now, and mm -hmm. I do content creation on a professional level, which is crazy to think about. And the amount of people who are saying they don't want to do Twitter is crazy. And these are like really big businesses who are saying we don't want a Twitter account because of how volatile it currently is. Mm -hmm. So it's look like these companies are now looking at like Instagram or video form content because that's what's king now is yeah. having that short form video content that can grab someone's attention in three seconds. But yeah, it's really funny you mentioned Twitter. That's just gone so downhill in the eyes of content creation. And I think the way the algorithm works now, it's so difficult to be seen, especially now with the uh, oh, following and new tabs. It's insane. Like my, I don't know about you, but my Twitter feed looks awful now. You can barely see anything. Yeah, honestly, the way that I've always had mine set up aside, like even well before the acquisition and just kind of like when I kind of knew that they were going to feed more into an algorithm versus just the chronological timeline, which is what I wanted, mm -hmm. I would always have it for latest tweets. Yes, I would still see mm -hmm. promoted tweets here and there. So it's not like the yeah. algorithm wasn't doing its job. But if I'm following certain uh, accounts on Twitter. It's because I want yeah. to see that content directly. I want to see it when it happens. I want to be able to react to it in real time. I don't want to have something like where Instagram, for example, they ditched the chronological timeline almost a decade ago and people are still wanting it back just because the mm -hmm. algorithm is not that reliable with like the content that we want to engage with, what they think we like getting into the whole uh, especially with smartphones having app tracking like by default, whereas uh, Apple's gone in and so is Google with like really like honing in on each individual permission to now where people are able to disable that and really, I don't know if it mm -hmm. hinders different creators on those platforms or if it's more of a security thing for the individual mm -hmm. users, but it's crazy to see just like over the last like year, especially just how uh, everything that's happened with Twitter is really changing the way that people think about media, yeah. especially on the social side of things with what do we engage with, what's going to align with our values, what would actually take away from our values. And I think, sadly, with the way things are going right now, Elon Musk being a controversial figure, especially with the whole uh, presidency of Donald Trump in the U.S., Twitter has slowly been lower and lower on the totem pole in regards to, okay, yes, they have a reach, but X, Y, Z would keep me off the platform. 
So it's really interesting because uh, Hootsuite have come out with some really interesting data on how Twitter is not getting the reach of other platforms like YouTube, Facebook, mm. and Instagram. So Twitter actually ranks really lowly now because of the controversies. And mm. that's why my content creation now is more geared towards video content. And I don't do as much on Twitter as I used to do. Like my mm. Twitter is very quiet compared to what it was. Right. Now, I feel like if anything, even for this show, I'm going to probably end up pivoting more into like Instagram posts of the show too. I've seen people use IGTV for like full episodes of podcasts yeah. too, like as a tertiary platform for an upload, which I would have never thought of. So mm -hmm. that could be something to watch out for in 2023. But yeah, I mean, I have a degree in communications uh, journalism sp specifically. So I've really gotten to see like even back from when I graduated in 2019 to now just what's gone in over the last three years with different platforms rising the pandemic playing a toll into everyone spending more time on these platforms, really trying to test the water, see what gains traction, what hinders traction, trying to feed into what's advertiser friendly and just kind of the different ways to monetize and grow these platforms. It's really fascinating to see just mm -hmm. how much has happened in such a little time. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. And I mean, kind of just speaking of the pandemic too. So you did mention now that you are working in the field of public relations before uh, this past year, you were actually an educator. So it seems like there's been quite a big pushback when it comes to the education field across the globe. It just seems mm -hmm. like there's been a lot of uh, giving, 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 and like, it doesn't seem like there's been anything returned for a lot of these educators. So you're seeing so many teachers in the United States and the UK over in Europe, just like a lot of people leaving the field, not because of the fact that they didn't love what they were doing. It's just the field didn't love them back. I mean, would you be able to kind of share your experiences and what led you to pivoting away from that career? Yeah, sure. Um, so I obviously love to teach and there was a point where I had like the perfect class of children. I thought absolutely amazing, loved working with the children. But the thing is that takes up just a finite time of your day. And I don't know what it's like in America, but in the UK teachers are paid from nine o'clock till half past three. But you are expected in at about seven o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and then you're not leaving until six o'clock at night. So there's five hours of unpaid work there. Yep. And it just takes an absolute toll. And then when you have so many different factors affecting your teaching, all you want to do is just stand at the front, deliver your lessons and give the children the education that they deserve and help them as best as you can. But when you have all these mitigating factors like new curriculums being brought in, the government have shifted gears on what they want. That means that all the schools have shifted gears on what they want. Then you have the inspectors who have their own set of expectations and they change them all the time. You And then also, and that's not even it. You've got parents who can be awful and don't realize just how much effort you're putting in to your their child's education. It just took a toll and like, to be quite honest, it was mental health issues developed as a result. I now have generalized anxiety disorder because of my time in teaching. And it just reached a point that I was at home with my husband and just miserable. I was thinking back and thinking, I'm really upset with my life, even though I've got a house, I've got a man that loves me, I'm surrounded by people that I love, but work got me down to a point where I just, that was all pushed to the side. So I took some sick leave because in the UK, if you've been work, if you've been teaching for a long time, you can have a hundred days sick leave and be paid for. 
they can't take deduct any pay i took off three weeks and what i did was i reworked my cv so it could be more of a general professional cv i set up a portfolio website and I mapped out my experience, skills and interests, reworked all my teaching stuff to make it so that it's more professional rather than focusing on the education side of things. I threw out over 100 applications and managed to get a temporary job in content creating that got me out of the classroom. And I was, the thing is, I couldn't even hide that I was sad to be leaving teaching. Every teacher in that school that I last worked in knew I was happy to be out of there and I didn't even try to hide it because I hated it so much. It reached a point where you know, so the holidays, you get so much holidays, it's not worth it. It really isn't worth it. And I look back at that time now and I think back to some of the things that I used to do. I mean, that is ridiculous. And I just had dinner with a teacher friend who was telling me all the stuff she's going through now and I'm thinking, that was the best decision I ever made to get out. Mm. And I could then now work on my content creating and figure out what Shirley again, like Miss Core died in 2021, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I've reestablished Shirley and it's been the best year of my life. That is wonderful to hear that you've been able to go through this transformation and like reinvigorate who you are mm -hmm. as a person too, because you do get lost in the shuffle of whatever your career may be. And I feel mm -hmm. like, especially like education as a whole has always been a career, even before the pandemic, where it feels like a lot of the work that goes into it is extremely undervalued. Uh, the salary is not there unless you've been tenured, which getting to a point of being tenured nowadays is a lot harder than ever, just because of the fact that there's either turnover, there's uh, closure. Mm -hmm there's positions that they just don't want to continue to pay for it's ridiculous no. and just seeing not only that profession but just a lot of the essential worker categories that we've seen over the pandemic so things like in a retail setting and a pharmacy mm -hmm. setting and healthcare, all, like seeing just how much has been thrown at them having to adapt on the fly and then ultimately just not being fairly compensated yeah. above anything else it's been really tragic to see how undervalued so many people have been all over the world in their fields yeah. and just seeing how they're not taking anymore where i know especially in the united states we're seeing like unemployment is down but they're saying there's more job openings than ever people aren't wanting to work i don't think it's that people aren't wanting to work it's that they now know what their value is and they yeah. want to be compensated for it and that's the thing like in teaching there are so many teachers who want to leave and the problem with that is obviously the retention crisis like there are thousands of jobs in the uk for teaching the other problem is the teachers who want to leave but feel trapped haven't developed anything outside of their work to be able to rely on to get out i relied on my social media and fan site experience to get out of teaching i've leaned on that quite a lot to get myself a position out but the problem is, is that teachers don't have time right now to develop those side hustles that you can use to get yourself out of teaching and become your own boss and do things in it away from the classroom. That's the issue because there are teachers who work from seven in the morning till gone 11 o'clock at night and then you're going to bed and you're doing it all again. So yeah. it's a really difficult one. Like, and it's not just teachers in the UK, it's teachers over the world. And on the 1st of February, teachers are striking in the UK as a result yeah. and so are the department of education and ofsted so everyone is just so discontented with the education system but they can't find a way out because all they mm. know is the education system 
No, for sure. And I know originally, like even before I pursued my uh, degree with journalism, I wanted to be a music teacher. So mm-hmm. I was going to be like a chorus teacher working in those schools where, and then I don't know if it's just because I it sort of had an aha moment during my studies, which is like music education is just not getting the funding it used to. Positions are going to be lower. You're going to be working extreme hours for little compensation, mm-hmm. especially during a concert season where you're going to have to work on rehearsals, different concerts instead. So you're going to be doing 13 hour days for what? So Six hours just- pay. Yeah. You only get paid for the contact you have with the children, not all the stuff that you do before and after. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, in, in a weird way, it's kind of like a different version of the law of diminishing returns, where like instead of it being just like a monetary investment, getting that return back, it's a time investment. And ultimately, mm-hmm. time is money. And you yes. want to make sure that you're getting your worth out of anything that you're putting into something instead mm-hmm. of it just bogging you down and really just taking its own to- uh, turmoil yeah. on you. Oh, absolutely. Like at the moment, there's a Facebook group all about leaving teaching in the UK. And there's over 100,000 members of this group who post daily. There's about 20 posts a day saying how much these teachers are struggling. And it's just like, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. And yeah, it's, but the thing is, it's, you do so much work and you get told it's just for the children or you get great holidays, but it's such a miserable job. And what angers me is when you've got people say, oh, teaching's so easy, you had it so easy. And working nine to three, you get six weeks of holiday in the summer, you get every six weeks you have a break. And if it's so easy, then there wouldn't be a retention crisis. That's the way I see it, is that you, could, you can go into the classroom for a week, see what it's like, and then you can come back out and you can support teachers as they strike. And it's also not the students, it's the parents, it's the administrators, it's the mm-hmm. legislature that's working against you. The, yes. There's so many different factors that people just don't take into consideration before they harp on teaching, saying like, oh, I mean, those that can't teach. And it's, no, it's not like that. It never will be like that. And no. we really need to do better by educators around the world and show that they are valued because they're essentially they have the future in their hands it's a matter of being able to shape them into something that we can all benefit from and they can survive as well yeah exactly i'd agree yes well aside from that uh a little uh serious tangent here we could definitely make a little bit more lighthearted as well so yes. uh speaking of teaching i mean something that i've noticed across your uh instagram is that you do have a dedicated page for uh different cooking posts too so whether it be like different recipes you're trying from cookbooks like family stuff like mm-hmm. what got you into the kitchen especially so it's really funny because i never cooked until my mom and my sister passed away and I was kind of thrown into the kitchen and was like, cook something. I was like, okay. And I didn't like it because of that, cause I kind of associated with my mom being in the kitchen and cooking up these great meals. And it wasn't until the pandemic when you, everyone stopped. And uh, because you could stop, you could begin experimenting with things. You had the time to do things. So when I was setting up lessons for my kids, and I had their lessons all sorted and they just had to go through them and I'd be on live three times a day just to help them get through the lessons I just look at recipes and then I think I discovered mob kitchen was the first that I really kind of latched onto there was a Chinese recipe and I thought oh that looks good I want to try that out and then I was like oh my gosh this tastes amazing I can't believe I cooked this and then just suddenly it snowballed into me just having a huge collection of cookbooks and I post pictures of my food all the time and 
I'm now making videos to go with the pictures as well. So I'm just having a pretty picture showing the process of me cooking food and different ways in which I hack my way through a meal. So it just came from the pandemic and it spiraled from there. And the thing is, my husband and I really like are really like passionate about cooking. We love cooking up meals and we've figured out ways to make it easier for ourselves, make it more economical because obviously mm -hmm. the cost of everything's going up. So you want to try and save money. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but in the UK it is horrendous, the cost of food. Oh gosh, just like a dozen of eggs, I think over here is now upwards of six to seven USD, which I've never seen before, whereas before gosh. you used to get it for like less than a dollar a dozen. Yeah. So we figured out economical ways of doing things. Like for example, we bought our Christmas turkey for this year in January. Oh, wow. Do you guys have like a deep freezer so it holds that long? Or? Yeah, so it, there's a shop out here called Lidl and they mm -hmm. discounted their turkeys down to a £10. So, and it, the thing is with the turkeys that are frozen, they don't expire until 2024. So oh, wow. we picked one up and there's a drawer in our freezer and mm -hmm. we just store it there ready to go. And I put this video up on TikTok. It's got nearly 10,000 views because I bought my turkey in January for Christmas this year. That is such a smart idea, too. How many kilos was it? Uh, just over two. Oh, wow. So that's perfect, even just for, like, a small little dinner. But, like, I would and have never thought of just being ready so far in advance while things are nice and low because you don't know what mm -hmm. it's going to look like this time next exactly. year. Exactly. And with the way we cook it, we use a Gordon Ramsay recipe. Mm -hmm. And it's just all you need is a turkey. You don't. It doesn't need to be fancy. Just have a turkey there, mm -hmm. and we follow the same recipe. From I'll show you it after this. But yep. it's just foolproof, incredible turkey recipe. Works for any size bird, and yeah, it's just I post those hat. I posted that hack. It's got ten thousand views, and people are like, "You're buying your turkey in January? That's insane." Why would you do that? But I explained that the label says July 2024. Like you're mm -hmm. saving money, and then all the turkeys left in the shop. I went the next week, all the turkeys were gone. Oh. It was really funny just seeing that. And I like to think that my video kind of caused that. I mean, a little bit of perspective can do a lot for someone. So that's definitely another reason to check her out on TikTok too, which we will get into a little bit later. But yes. I would have just never gone with that kind of approach to like something as trivial as a holiday meal, just like being able to stock up so far in advance because there's nothing like a sure thing. And if you mm -hmm. can house it, I don't see any reason why not. Exactly. So definitely a good way to think about that. And then uh, obviously when you're not doing just uh, different uh, kitchen hacks and adapting your skills in the kitchen, you might have been seen on a, a television set or two. Uh, so, you know, maybe uh, a game show, perhaps. Uh, how did this casting come about? Okay, so the, the show is called Tipping Point. Um, mm -hmm. It came about in 2016. So I just got with Matt at the time. And mm -hmm. we thought, oh, we're going to stick together forever. Let's try and save money for a house. And mm -hmm. we thought as a joke, we'd apply on the ITV website. And I've gone through the application process, but like my husband did like, was quite tame in what he said. I went down the, I'm a wrestling fan and I want money for WrestleMania route. And mm -hmm. I'm in the class and I miss a phone call from ITV. So then they call oh, wow. me and so I called back. I was like, hi, I've had a missed call. And it's like, oh, is this Shirley? I was like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, hi, we want you to audition for Tipping Point. Can you come down on the 25th of January? This is in 2017. And I was like, okay. So I finished off work on the, tw on the 25th. Go to, I think it was Westminster or Wimbledon I had to go to, which is, when you think about how big London is, it's mm -hmm. the opposite side of London. 
Wow. And I ran an audition. So we had to do a quiz that was 20 questions. I'm fairly certain I aced the quiz because mm-hmm. I knew all the answers. And then you had to do a minute short real video to explain like who you are, what you do, why you want to be on the show. But the thing is, I was left until last and I really needed to go to the toilet. So I've gone at the speed of light for the <laughs> video bit and I've just kind of word vomited everything. But the thing is, I didn't stumble on my words. I made sure I got all my points in and I ended the video bit with... Now that I've told you I want to go to WrestleMania, uh, what I want right now more is to go to the toilet. So thank you for watching and hopefully you pick me. And then I ran out of that room so fast. And then like all the audition, pro- I'm thinking, yeah, I failed it because of that last bit because I just had to run and go to the toilet. I got the call the next day to say, we want you to film. And I was like, what? And then yeah. um, a week later, I had to film. But the thing is, it was on a weekday. And as a teacher, you can't take weekdays off. It's mm. so difficult, but I had an amazing head teacher. Her name was Maggie. She let me rearrange uh, my time out of class to be on that Wednesday where I needed to take it off. So I got, it's called like PPA time where you get like your planning mm-hmm. time. And then I had subject leadership time as well because I was head of English at the time. Mm-hmm. She let me marry those together, put them on the Wednesday and she went, just go. So she let me go on the grounds that I maneuvered all of my time out of class that week to be on the day for the audition of the show sorry so mm-hmm. i go off to wimbledon again and film tipping point my fringe so my fringe is bonkers it has its own mind oh the thing fine. is it like kept on going further and further down like this and the makeup <laughs> team had to keep on getting like super hold things to push my fringe back yep. so as the episode's going on my fringe is getting further and further back my head it's so funny and <laughs> i'm next to the host ben shepherd and he's just like, your fringe is just causing a lot of problems, Shirley. I was like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. And the thing is, the stand like, on the booth, you have your name. And I kind of just walked around and said, oh, wow, my name's on there. And everyone's laughed because no one else mm-hmm. has done it who's in my group. But I've yeah. gone around seeing my name and gone, that's so cool. That's my name on the tipping point booth. And mm-hmm. everyone was just like laughing at that. And I got through <laughs> to the second round on the question being, what's the correct? first letter what's the what's the first letter in the correct spelling for wrestling that's how i got through to the next round they threw you a bone they, they had threw me a bone to throw me a bone. zero on my account <laughs> and they threw me a bone i buzzed straighting i went w and they gone and then like obviously that's the correct answer and then the host mm-hmm. went yeah it'd be bad if you got that question wrong yeah everyone would kill me if i got that question wrong yep. and then the coins tipped out i got enough coins to get through to the next round and a free holiday out of them. Hey, that's good. But then I got kicked out in the second round. Yeah. And then, but hey, I, I it was an amazing experience, and it was just really funny just feeling like I was on a TV show at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's all so small. And like when we talk about the other experience I've had, it's so, mm-hmm. everything shrunk down when you're in there in person. It looks huge in real life. Right. But the tipping point, like, scale, it's like, I don't know if you have, like, the coin machines where you can slot them in and you can push yeah. the coins out. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. a life-size version of that. It looks huge on TV, but it's a lot mm-hmm. smaller in real life. And I was like, oh, wow, it's all so small. And, but it was a great experience. I got a holiday out of it. Went to Barcelona with my husband. Beautiful. And when it aired a year later, mm-hmm. I was the talk of the school. I had my class walked in. And we're like, Miss Cole, you were robbed. And I was 
I know I was robbed. And then everyone was like, we saw you on the TV, Miss Core. And then there was one little kid, his name was Archie. And he was like, Miss Core, did you take your holiday yet? And I was like, I said, I haven't taken, I had to lie because he was on like six. And he just looked at me really like bright blue eyes. He's like, no, I haven't taken my holiday, darling. And he's like, do you want to go on a cruise with me? And we could take Aww. the holiday and go on a cruise. And I, I'll see what I can do. And I'm just going to bless. But yeah, all the parents, or everyone was talking about me on Tipping Point. It was just the funniest thing. And I was a little celebrity for a day on <laughs> in the school playground. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to get out on this game show stuff. I know uh, WWE was doing a Wheel of Fortune thing. Ultimately, didn't get cast this loop. I've applied a million times just because I have my own mm. connection to that show, like, personally. But I will manifest it and join you and the <laughs> likes of Jack White on Supermarket Sweep and just showing that wrestling nice. fans can be game show contestants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, we talked quite a bit. So Ben Shepard was asking me, mm -hmm. like, during takes, he was asking me about WrestleMania. He was like, oh, have you booked to go to WrestleMania? I'd love to go to a WrestleMania. I was like, yeah, I've booked to go to a WrestleMania. I'd need the money to replenish my bank account basically from mm -hmm. paying out for Orlando WrestleMania and he was just like oh wow that's amazing like, he's a big wrestling fan he was asking me like who's your favorite and I said like at the moment it's Roman Reigns I mean like Roman like Charlotte mm -hmm. Flair um but he was asking me loads of questions in between takes which was quite funny yeah. and yeah I got robbed on the pronunciation you know the song Loco in Acapulco oh gosh Yes, it's an old I think song. I know of it. I don't know what, uh, like the tune of it, but I can only imagine. So I don't, I don't know the tune of it either, but I said Acapoco, and we spent five minutes trying, like, I had to keep getting me repeat it. What did you say, Shirley? Acapoco. So loco in, and then you had to finish it. And I was like, Acapoco. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, we have to give you Acapulco. And I was like, oh. I missed out on the pronunciation of that. And it's just like, oh. yeah, it's typical. Well. It is what it is, but something you did not miss out on, uh, especially this past year, was uh, your chance to uh, enter the ballroom for Strictly Come Dancing. So where did your love for this program come from? Because I know Dancing with the Stars over here is also pretty uh, meteoric with uh, the people that follow it. So. Mm -hmm. so for me, it's been since I was a kid, like since 2004 when it started over here, I've always mm -hmm. loved it. Like, I've loved the idea of like dancing in the ballroom and stuff. And when I discovered how you could apply for tickets, I thought, I'm going to give this a go. This was back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And every year, without fail, I apply for every single show. And every year, without fail, I got the rejection emails. And it would just be like, further information to your application. We're sorry to say you've been unsuccessful. It's been 10 years of consistent no's. But the World Cup changed that because with the World Cup, completely messing up the timetable of everything in the uk because it was in qatar wasn't it i think it was qatar yeah it was in qatar yeah so that meant that strictly was being filmed on a friday so obviously people can't all get time off on a friday but i had some annual leave left and i thought i'm gonna apply for the friday just to see and if i can get it i'll, I'll get the day off and then i got the text through that i'd been successful i screamed down the phone to someone who was fixing my car and he was like, are you okay? I, was like, I don't know what to say right now, but thank you for letting me know you can fix my car. I'll come to you in a minute. I just kind of freaked out um, because mm -hmm. I got through, I got the tickets for musical week, which is my favorite week. Oh, I perfect. Of them. So I know in Dance with the Stars, you have themed weeks literally every week. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Is But in the UK, you only have four. So you have movie week, which is early on. You mm -hmm. have Halloween. 
Then you have Blackpool, which is where they go to the Blackpool, ta Blackpool Tower. And then you have mm -hmm. Musical Week. So those are oh, our wow. four themed weeks. And Musical's the one where it's like the quarterfinals. So I never thought I'd get to mm -hmm. see that. Um, obviously, when you're waiting 10 years to get onto a show, like Strictly Come Dancing to be in the audience, and you book the time off, you do what you can to be the first in line. So I came up with the uh, bonkers idea of camping outside Elstree Studios to be number one and be the first person to have their ticket validated because the way it works is that the earlier you are, the closer you are to the front. Mm -hmm. And I camped out at eight o'clock the night before and was outside camping for 13 hours in December waiting for Strictly tickets and to get be number one. And I did that because I wanted it. And also because of my leg, I wanted to make sure I had room in front mm -hmm. of me to be able to move my leg around. Yeah. And we ended up being number one and number two, my husband and I. So we go back to the hotel. We had a hotel booked and I just completely ignored it. It has a really lovely, comfy bed. Just ignored it. Went camping for a night. It was just, it was an experience. Hey, I mean, the things we do for the things we love. I mean, there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. And I mean, did you, how did short. you, oh, go ahead. Life's too short to not mm -hmm. do that sort of thing as well. Like, I thought, why not? Like, it's so difficult to get in. Why would you not take the opportunity to camp out? So I camp out at eight o'clock. I'm set up. I have tents. I have a blow up bed. I have candles to keep me warm. I have torches. I've got blankets. I am like Joey Tribbiani with the amount of layers that I'm wearing. <laughs> it was ridiculous how much I was wearing. I think I was wearing like six layers on top, five layers on bottoms, three layers of socks with my trainers. I was good to go. And the next person didn't arrive until 10 o'clock at night. So they camped out for 11 hours. Then the mm -hmm. next couple came at midnight. Then there was a gap and people didn't arrive till about half past three. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, clearly you were bucking the trend that more people were camping outside of the studio as well. So, I mean, how did the taping end up going? Did you have a great time? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, did that all really happen? So mm -hmm. obviously like I've explained to the people at Strictly, I'm at the front because I need to talk to someone about my leg. So context, I got hit by a car, my leg got shattered. Mm -hmm. I have a metal rod in my leg. And I just said, I need an extra leg room to be able to maneuver around. And they're like, okay, we'll talk to stage managers and just see where you go from there. The moment we get through security and the moment we do like our photo up, we're treated like royalty. We're sat in a VIP section that no one else is allowed in. Oh, um, wow. And then the stage manager comes up to me and he asks, like, what's the condition of your leg? And I explain about the leg. And he's like, well, you're going to be very happy with what we've set up for you. So my husband and I are like, what is going on? And then we get called in first, along with the third and fourth person, the ones who came at 10 o'clock. We get escorted in before everybody else. And we're waiting to the side. So we're backstage at this point, waiting mm -hmm. to see who, like, for our seats. And my favourite pro, Giovanni Paniche, walks past, hugs us all, is like, well done for camping out, hello, hope you enjoyed the show. And we're just like, I'm just there like, oh my god, I've just hugged my favourite pro, and he knows I've camped out overnight, what is going on? <laughs> we walk in, and they've made dedicated seats for us to sit in with, that are next to the judges booth. So they have the oh, judges wow. table, that's, that's <laughs> the judges table, I am there, I am literally next to the main judge, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like, 
I, look, I was just didn't know what to say at this point. And we watched several tapings. So it wasn't just the live show. We watched mm -hmm. a Christmas Day taping. We watched the finale taping where um, Florence and the Machine were performing. Oh, um, wow. And I actually had a conversation with Florence. Really strange. Gosh, that sounds like you had like probably the best experience, like even beyond what you could have imagined. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, I think one of the pros, his name is Neil Jones, he went round the back and told everyone about us because mm -hmm. all the other pros started coming over to us to say hello. And Aww. I pretty much died when one of the pros, his name is Johannes, just grabbed my hands and was like, hello, baby, how are you? Are you cold still? And he gave me a hug and I'm just like, I freaked. I was like, I don't know what to say to you right now. You are amazing. Thank you so much for coming over. I proper fangled over this guy. Yeah. And then... We watched a musicals week, which was incredible. Like I will show you some of the performances. They are insane. Mm -hmm. And after the show, a couple of the pros came over to speak to us and just had a conversation with us as if like we were friends and like we'd known each other for years. And it was just so surreal. But the thing is, it was like everyone else who'd also waited outside for those free tickets weren't given the same treatment. And I'm just like, what is going on? It was just all surreal. And I we got into the car and drove home. And my mind was just blown. It was so difficult to digest what had happened. Mm -hmm. And then I get messages from my work phone. Oh my God, you're next to Craig. You're right there. Because I'm wearing a bright green dress. Mm -hmm. I was easily possible. And everyone was just like, that just looks incredible. That whole experience looked insane. It's like, yep. It's just, it's hard to put into words just how amazing I was treated. And Matt as well. Like we were treated like royalty. And it was just amazing. I couldn't do it again. This is the thing. It was so good the first mm -hmm. time around. I could never do it again. I feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, especially when it's so, like, picture perfect to the T. Like, you mm -hmm. know that you can't replicate something like that. So especially yeah. that moment, how it is, and just take it in for whatever it was. And seeing yeah. just, like, obviously, like, I've seen, like, screen grabs of it. Like, you looked like you were in your element. Like, you were having the time of your life. And I'm glad that you actually got <laughs> to was... have that experience after manifesting mm -hmm. it for the better part of a decade, especially. Yeah, it was perseverance there. Like if you, and also the World Cup messing up the whole timetable made yeah. that dream come true. So I'm forever. I don't like football, but I'm grateful to the World Cup for messing up the timetables. Mm -hmm. Yep. So ninety nine percent perseverance, one percent football. Yes. You heard it here <laughs> first. <laughs> so I know we've kind of danced around uh, wrestling stuff, but obviously, like mm -hmm. we both have, like we became like close from friends just because of the world of pro wrestling especially women's yes. wrestling so what first got you hooked on it honestly it was when i was in secondary school and mm -hmm. i was very lonely in secondary school i didn't have like that set group of friends that you'd speak to for the rest of your life i never had that and i still don't have that to this day like i don't talk to people from my secondary school and it was quite a lonely experience so i kind of leaned towards like women's wrestling and I wanted to take the confidence of my favourite people in women's wrestling and try and embody that in myself and mm -hmm. embrace myself a lot more. And like a big influence on that was Melina. And she was a like a big part of that, along with Gail Kemp. She's another one who mm -hmm. I really sought inspiration from. And it made me feel less lonely when I was running my fan sites for them. And I was able to find a whole new group of people who I could be friends with for the rest of my life through my fan site work. Yeah. 
And it's crazy to think, too, just, like, how much, like, the wrestling fandom has changed because fan sites used to be a dime a dozen, like, ten years ago. And now just, like, it seems like it's a lost form or maybe we've outgrown yeah. that kind of uh, support for wrestlers just with social media being more of what it is now. Like, mm -hmm. do you think that generation of wrestling fans really kind of helped mold a lot of, like, what we see with, like, the newer age of creation, just, like, the different social, like, influencer-style posting for those uh, favorites? I think yes and no. I think that women's wrestlers back in that time frame when I was doing it really appreciated when someone would go out of their way to buy a domain related to them, set up a whole website for them and help build their fan base. And I feel like that's been lost now because it's so difficult to have that contact with the women's wrestlers these days. Like you, it's so hard to start up, say for example, I'm trying to think of someone, Roxanne Perez. Like, it'd be so difficult to start that conversation up, but also maintain it for years to come. And I think that's where our generation of content creators stand out. Because when we say the names of people we've worked with, they're like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you've worked with Melina. Oh my gosh, you've worked with Gail Kim. You've worked with AJ Lee, Charlotte Flair. Do you still talk to them? I'm like, and obviously we'll talk into a bit more detail about that, mm -hmm. but the ones that appreciated the support from fan sites that were made as a website they know who the real ones are and they know mm -hmm. the effort and the level of skill it took like you had to learn wordpress mm -hmm. you had to write your own social copy you had to write website mm -hmm. copy you're uploading pictures you're taking videos and screen grabbing them and putting the best screen grabs on a gallery filled with pictures where fans can just go to it and you lost you lose that now with social media websites and they have got twitter.com slash becky lynch fans those becky lynch fan twitters not going to gain exclusive access to photography of becky lynch like right. what a becky lynch website would be like. like i remember when i worked on the melina unlimited i spoke to a photographer who worked with melina and he gave us a whole bunch of exclusive pictures for us to use on the website you couldn't do that now on a twitter fan site because it's not the same you don't have that outreach that you could do with a fat website. Yeah, and the crazy thing, too, is just, I mean, women's wrestling 10, 15 years ago was not giving the same amount of time and investment no. that we've been giving uh, now. Although some might say there's still room for improvement if you've seen Raw 30. Um, oh, God, it don't. Is what it is. Just yeah. don't. I mean, we've we've been there for the lowest of lows. I mean, even yeah. well before Give Divas a chance, like we've really seen like those two minute matches on Raw. We've seen like the ups and downs where TNA had a bonkers knockouts division to being down to like maybe four women to seeing like mm -hmm. the Divas Championship to see the Women's Championship retired. Everything mm -hmm. with like NXT going up. It's just we've seen so many things in the world of women's pro wrestling where it's just there's been a lot of uh, good that's come with it, but you have to look back at where things could have been vastly improved a lot sooner as well too mm -hmm. i mean even we're seeing it now to this day with AEW as well where it seems like now we're starting to get okay we're giving the women some serious matches but they still only have one match on a card yeah no, and that absolutely. is the biggest problem like yeah i think that's the big problem is that it seems like people think oh we've done our bit for women's wrestling that's all we need to do and not think we need to do more and make it more consistent across the board. Like you mentioned Raw 30, that was a mess. And it just seems like it's been lost that there is a fan base for women's wrestling. Like that was shown with Total Divas. Like the fan base that grew from that show was insane. And 
it's just a shame that it feels like WWE in particular are slipping back into old habits. And this um, is eight hours before the Royal Rumble, uh, by the way, folks. Yeah, I know this is going to exactly, go up uh, the yeah. week after, but like we are very much in prime. Like, what are we going to do tonight? Because there is a Rumble with 30 women in it, and they've only announced maybe 10. We have yeah. one championship match instead of two because they decided yeah. to put Charlotte versus Sonya on SmackDown the following mm -hmm. week. Even though they've been building this across two programs for three weeks, that should be a pay-per-view match. Yes, but yeah. I think that it's just not consistent. You can't shout women's evolution, do your bit for publicity, and then just stop. And that's what's happened. Because now we've got this, like we'll talk the women's rumble match. You've mm -hmm. got 10 people announced, 12 people announced. There's not going to be no reaction to the other 18. Like, for example, say if Aaliyah just magically returned from her injury, mm -hmm. no one's going to respond to her. That's the thing. And then you've got other people who, like Tegan Knox, people, will people respond to her? But she's not been on TV much to be able to build up that traction. And that's my shame because I love Tegan. She's my girl. And oh, Tegan was phenomenal. I, like, I remember finding out about Tegan like during like the days of what culture pro wrestling and everything too, seeing the stuff that she was oh, doing over gosh. there with like B Priestley. And like, that's like, oh, <laughs> Nixon Newell is cool. Like, oh, I can't I wait love... for her to get signed. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I've, I've seen that girl for a lot. Like, like we, were, we talked earlier about like trying to get, get trends and find what the next big thing was. Like I kind of saw mm -hmm. in 2014-15, British wrestling was kind of coming up the ranks. Mm -hmm. So I dove right in. And we'll talk more about that later, but Nixon was one that I got really close to. But I still talk to her to this day. I send yeah. her pictures of Toby all the time. And she loves seeing how much he's grown. And like I, she sends pictures of to me. And we just talk still. And it's been like eight years of us being yeah. friends but like yeah. going back to the like problems with what she's currently at it's just mm -hmm. it seems like obviously we've got this amazing bloodline story but too much time is being dedicated to it and we're losing things as a result mm -hmm. and you're pushing the wrong things as well like in my opinion we should not be pushing Lacey Evans at all that's not the person you want to be the forefront of your women's division. She's not I could have a whole dissertation about where things are going with Lacey <laughs> Evans, especially <laughs> down to the fact that she went on an ableist tangent on social media trying to dispout uh, genetically modified food causing certain uh, illnesses and uh, instances yeah. of cognitive delay to then attempt to get heat on her first night back from someone with a disability. It, no, it just, she's not it for me. I mean, that's what I'm going to say on the matter. She's not it. Yes. But, it hasn't just, been I think, it either. I think never has been. But I think that WWE need to look back and think, right, what worked? And try and regain the trust of the women's wrestling community because whether they like it or not, it's there. There is a niche for them. People want to see them. It's not the point where it was back in 2007 and eight, where people would see the women as a toilet break. So that's why you had like the fan sites champion and them um, because no one else was not in the live audiences, not backstage. It was the online community that championed the likes of Melina, Mickey James, Michelle McCall, Kelly, Kelly, the Bella twins, their fan sites are the reason why they were able to foster a community of a fan base and they leaned towards us. So, there's so many names like Daniel from BarbieBlank.net. You had the mm -hmm. Bella Twins, Lisa. You had, um, I think it was Jen doing MichelleMcCall.net. Um, mm. And you had all these fan sites like, growing. And then the women were like, oh my gosh, there is an audience for us. People mm. want to see us. Let's lean into it. And 
we're now getting back to that point where it feels like the women aren't getting the support they need in the audience and backstage which is where the online communities need to develop and find that community again beyond just saying oh she's mother oh we stand her they need yeah. more than that yeah i'm thinking something like because do you remember when impact was doing like those vignettes where they're saying wrestling matters and like each performer yeah. is kind of giving like their own thing something like that with different fans but like each fan has maybe a different wrestler that they want to spotlight like something yeah. like that like as an online campaign i think so that would something... have a lot of power behind it in 2023 so that's something that i've been developing and what i want to do on the week of wrestlemania the wednesday before wrestlemania is do an online campaign called world wow day and it's just people bombarding and saying positive things about women's wrestlers just so then they can see that they are supported because that's been missing and if the girls who are in the locker room now are similar to the girls that were back in 20 2007 to 2010 11 they will appreciate that so much. Absolutely. And then, like, the thing with me is, like, obviously I have a Bianca Belair plaque right here, but my, the person that got me into wrestling was a woman. It was Victoria. Mm -hmm. So there shows that, like, there are large portions of fans that don't get into the product at all without seeing a woman do so well in that role, mm -hmm. whether it be the athleticism, the character work, whether it be yeah. owning your sensuality in a way that's powerful, not just about, like, arousing fans. Because we've had yes. the days of strip matches and everything, but, like, when a woman takes control of the narrative, and uses it to her advantage that's mm -hmm. what makes it so powerful and then, like even today like people will cast diva as a bad word when it comes to wrestling word like no you can still have like the women like a tori wilson the women like candace michelle who even became like a phenomenal wrestler like people mm -hmm. like the beautiful people like you can have that kind of uh, role in wrestling where it might play more into the appearance while still being essential to what the product would evolve into yeah, and what you said about, like, women getting you in, I'll be honest, what got me in was, like, properly was John Cena. Like, from 2002, mm. I've been fans since 2002. But what made me stay was Gail, Kim, and Melina. They mm. were the two that made me stay beyond 2005 because it reached a point in 2005 where I was bored of watching John Cena win all the time. So I kind of looked out beyond Gail, Kim, and Melina, along with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, are the mm -hmm. reasons why I persisted with wrestling. But Gail Kim and Malia were the top two for me. They are, in my eyes, like legends in their own right. And they should be recognized a lot more for what they've done. Especially Gail. Like, to this day. Oh my gosh, Gail Kim. she is doing for women's wrestling is phenomenal. And Even in an office never get a hall of, And the thing is, she'll never get a WWE Hall of Fame induction because she's outright spoken about how badly Vince McMahon treated women. Right? Um, but the thing is, real ones know. Real ones know how much she's done. And history will look back at Gail Kim and be grateful for women like her who not only pushed people in the ring with her ability, but pushed people out of the ring by passing the knowledge on to future generations. Definitely. And, like, I got to meet Gail this past year at WrestleCon, getting to see, like, just, like, how much she's done in Impact, even transitioning away from being an active competitor to, like, overseeing the knockouts and, like, more of the office side of things. Like, she really is essential to what Impact yeah. is to this day across the board, whether it's been 
pre-knockouts championship to the way that they're approaching things now. We've gotten to see so like this whole metamorphosis of impact again, I'd say starting from like yes. 2017, 2018 and now to mm-hmm. the point where I would still say that impact right now is probably my favorite product across all yeah. the different televised brands and getting yes. to meet Melina in 2017, like have like that nice conversation, like talking about like the why certain things happen, just like really like focusing on the wrestling, not just like, Oh yeah, you're beautiful. Like I remember watching you now as a child, but like, no, like your stuff with Mickey, with Michelle, with mm-hmm. Beth, like you were having, having the best matches and like yeah. i want to say thank you for that yeah and that's the thing like history looked kindly on gal melina um because of their ability in the ring and i just hope that fans can catch up to speed and not require revisionist history to realize just how incredible those two women are amen i mean <laughs> uh to pivot a little bit so we're going from working in the ring to uh working should i say i mean uh another fandom of yours that we enjoy uh you do happen to like the drag race <laughs> <laughs> yes i do i will say that i haven't watched a couple of series i've just kind of mm-hmm. life's kind of taken over so i've not i think i've watched 14 and 15 and i yeah. haven't watched drag race you so i have i need to catch up but yes drag race is amazing i love drag race <laughs> so i was gonna say uh, did you get a chance to watch uk versus the world at all that's the reason i managed to get into pr so really so the tweet that i posted a tweet of jimbo when he did that weird like white makeup thing yep. and did and i just posted a gif and was just clapping along to someone else that gif and that tweet is the reason i managed to get my current job no way i love that so i used that so what i did is i used it as like a case study example on my portfolio website to explain how i can get engagements interactions outreach external links to different articles like there was a huffington post article purely dedicated to my tweet <laughs> that is phenomenal and i so drag drag race versus the world is the, the uk versus what is the reason why i was able to secure a new job and start a new career path so i am grateful to jimbo if i ever met jimbo i'd tell them yep. thank you so much for being so kooky and weird that you secured me a new job in social media see there is one positive outcome of uk versus the world <laughs> no, i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> your final results but yeah yeah i, got, I mean but yeah wow, what a season yeah but jimbo i'm grateful too um I do have a new favourite though, and that's only because she lives nearby, and <laughs> I, I can talk to them quite a lot. As River Medway, mm-hmm. so I talk. So River Medway yeah. literally lives like ten minutes away from me. Oh wow, perfect! And the the actual River Medway you can see from my house. I mean, I think that's just brilliant, like, the way that they come up with some of these names, too, because mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect, like, certain things that are just, like, phrases or, like, landmarks to work for drag, but, like, you have some, like, a Monet exchange when you think about, yes. like, oh, money exchanging, yeah, like, that totally makes sense, whereas you have mm-hmm. someone else who's just, like, things that don't make sense at all, like, Bob the Drag Queen. Yeah, I was just going to say Bob the Drag Queen. Um, I love Bob <laughs> the Drag Queen. I think they're oh, I love like, Bob. My all-time favorite is Bianca Del Rio. Taste. Uh, absolutely adore Bianca Del Rio. I went to go see her live in 2018 or maybe in 2019 but she did a tour of Wembley Arena and Mm -hmm. oh my god I was crying my eyes out at how brilliant this was brilliant and just i feel like insult comedy is a lost form because a lot of people are very hypersensitive to different sensitivities with cultures bianca Mm -hmm. is equal opportunity with who she insults but she does it in a way of satire not in just attack like yes you have 
like there's an art to insult comedy that I feel like not everyone's mastered or like it's very much just insulting and there's not enough comedy. So like Bianca Del Rio people, will always be one of the greats for that. I think people have become more like Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy where they mm-hmm. take Bianca's insult comedy literally. Mm-hmm. So um, I completely get it. I think it's brilliant. And Bianca Del Rio is a big one. The other one that just lives rent free in my head and every time I go to the shop and I hear Demi Lovato's Sorry Not Sorry, I have yes. and Evie yes. Oddly in my head every single time. And The yes. runway before that lip sync where Brooklyn does that reveal. Oh my Incredible. God. That is probably my favorite moment of Drag Race is Brooklyn Heights and Evie Oddly doing that lip sync. Just yep. amazing. Like, it's crazy that the winner and the runner-up both bomb Snatch Game and then turn out that lip sync, which is crazy to think. And kind of on the topic of uh, bad Snatch Games, like, I think right now, like, it's not really a secret. My favorite right now is Trixie Mattel. Like, we, my sister and I, like, yeah, my sister's the one that got me into Drag Race to begin with back at, like, season five. So, like, Mm. I got to see, like... Jinx Monsoon, Roxy Andrews, all that stuff. And, like, I think, like, when I started really watching it for me was back in uh, 2017. So it was, like, season Mm -hmm. nine. So not to, like, make it a little serious, but, like, at that time, my sister was in the hospital. She was having open, like, brain surgery to remove a tumor that was cancerous. So, yeah, she was in recovery and everything. I'm texting her. I'm like, hey, Bink, I'm watching Drag Race. Like, they're doing Ariana Grande's Greedy, which, for context, Ariana Grande is my favorite singer of all time. We went to her show three months prior in Buffalo, and, like, it was one of the best concerts I ever had. Like I was right next to the catwalk. Like, I don't think I've ever had like seats like that ever at a show. It was phenomenal. And it was when Valentina did the, I like to keep it on please thing. Yes. I'm just like, (laughs) okay, there's no way I'm not watching drag race ever again. Like I have to keep watching this, but yeah, Yeah. like that was the tipping point there. We got to see Trixie and Katya live in September. Mm -hmm. It was just like, Oh God. Like, I feel like I'm appreciative that drag did become so mainstream and like everyone's getting into it again. Do mm-hmm. I wish it was still, like, a little bit, like, more of, like, a secret club where, like, they could be a little bit campier and not have to appeal to so many things? Yes. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it just shows that, like, things that could be, like, queer-centric and just, like, n- deviate from, like, what we consider typical pop culture have really does have its place in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of what we consider media to be today. So, I do feel like with the whole secret underground club thing, I feel like that's still the case in the UK. So, really? Dragging Race UK, it's still like the underground club thing but there are some who are breaking through to mainstream so you've got the vivian who's currently doing dancing mm-hmm. on ice davina de campo i don't know if you've heard this yet but davina de campo has just been announced for spongebob the musical as plankton oh on the west end uh-huh oh wow that so is she's incredible going it's crazy and then but it does still feel like people are still trying to find their feet with drag race uk and where it fits mm-hmm. in the mainstream and as a result, the UK shows, I tend to find are a lot more enjoyable because it is to showcase in all things British. So mm-hmm. I lean more towards the UK brand rather mm-hmm. than the US because it relates more to me, obviously yeah, being British. Exactly. And I get the humour. So like, there's things like the EastEnders references and Strictly yeah. when they get the pros in to do choreography. It's like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. But US, I struggle with now because you can tell there's... Um, a pressure to be Mm -hmm. a certain type of drag queen i agree and in the uk though there's not that pressure it's kind of a free-for because there's no money 
from a company going into this. This is which is what I was actually going to lead into. Do you think they the would do better moving is, from BBC? Oh no, because the thing no, it will never move from BBC because it means that RuPaul's not paying any money for it to be on TV. The taxpayers are paying for it. So BBC yeah. is based at PBS. So. We're yeah. paying for RuPaul's Drag Race UK to be a thing, which is hilarious. So I very much doubt RuPaul's going to move from that. And I imagine yeah. the Vivian and whoever else appeared on um, the All Stars um, mm-hmm. in the US, because I, I haven't watched it, I don't know. I, think, I know the Vivian Yeah, did I it. think the Vivian's the first one that came from the a UK series into okay. a US series. So I know I they've done Canada was... versus the world too, where they had yes. like a Vanity Milan who did well, but ultimately didn't win. But it's just like, yeah. it would actually let like those outer like, world series come over here and actually get a little bit of money too because drag is so expensive Mm -hmm. especially for the standards that people have now it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. and then how you can do it's like being a wrestler in terms of the outfits Mm -hmm. and the effort and the expenses that you have to go through to be able to be a drag queen and a wrestler is so similar and but i wrestling challenge pardon they need to bring back oh the wrestling gosh, challenge. We need a new wrestling challenge, considering who was involved in the first wrestling challenge. We need to refresh that one. I mean, Dragula just did one, but like they didn't actually have a proper wrestler on site to do this. Taya Valkyrie has said that she would love to be a trainer on uh, for Dragula when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Can we... World of Wonder. You have so many phenomenal women who are in wrestling, especially ones that are yeah. also part of the LGBTQ plus community. Like, mm-hmm. let them come in. Let them like, have a weekly challenge with the girls. Like... Let them like make this into like something that could be really fun and really campy for everybody. Yeah. And I do think dragon wrestling could marry up really well. And I'd love to see that crossover one day. It's just a case of who's going to be the one, like what company is going to be the one to allow that to happen. Right. Because I mean, you kind of have Poyal Del Mar who's doing it with NWA, even just in a managerial role. But like, I would love yeah. to see like a lot more of it and like really showcase like the art form of it without having like so many problematic figures associated with it as well yeah that's the that's where you've got to find that middle ground there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i mean it's not impossible but you never know so and then kind of just to tie things up i mean obviously like you've really done so much in the last year i mean you're back working with like pr staff being coming more of a creator yourself we're starting mm-hmm. to see as told by shirley your blog start to come back as well i mean do you yep. have a lot of uh big goals for what you're planning to do content wise for 2023 Yes, I do. So I want to build up my writing portfolio again. So I have a very big writing portfolio now, but I'm a ghostwriter, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's not got my name on it, but I wrote it. But i am now got articles published in magazines. I've written press releases, websites, stuff. There's so much I've done. And now I want to kind of make my own stuff as well and show what I can do and take what I've learned over the past, what, 15 years and yeah. just show off what I can do. Like I've just written, I'm writing just example blogs. I'm rebuilding my website to kind of reflect a new version of me. Not so much ex-teachery as much as it's Shirley. I'm Shirley, mm-hmm. I work in PR and social media. And I can help you with whatever you need social media wise, because I can. I've managed to grow several accounts really well, which were poorly performing until I took them over. And then now they're doing big things. But now I also want to do stuff for me. I'm being quite selfish in that. I yeah. think it's time for me to think about what I want to do in my life and 
push out your content whether that be world wow day if i can try and push that out that'd be amazing whether that be as told by shirley the blog and the podcast go with that whether that be walton at world which would be my disney content stream um mm. shirley versus food as we've discussed and just generally marketing myself as someone who's got this vast knowledge of social media and writing and putting it out there and seeing what sticks yeah, and I think something that you mentioned too is like not. I feel like people have this uh, association with really like trying to focus on yourself again, where it shouldn't be taken as selfish. Because I mean, the more effort that you're putting into yourself, it's ap externally reflected. So the way that you yeah. interact with other people, with other things, like focusing mm -hmm. on yourself and rebuilding yourself, does have a lot more positive effects to all the things around you aside from just your own well-being which obviously is paramount but that shouldn't be a selfish thing to say i want to be a better version of me not just for me but for everything else that i'm going to be doing because yeah. it's not going to be fair to anyone to have someone that's less than the best version of me and that's the thing like since leaving teaching last year so i left in 2021 I have found the best version of me and that's not just impacted me, that's impacted my husband, it's impacted my friendships, it's impacted my family. They've seen I'm a lot happier in myself and I'm able to stand on my own two feet again and not feel like I'm falling down all the time and just in a spiral of depression and anxiety, I'm able to function and it's okay to say I want to work on myself, it's not an issue. And I used to say it to the kids. I used to say, the best thing you can do is be selfish and think about what you need to do in your life to make yourself better. And then that will be reflected in how you treat others, how you present yourself in your work, how you perform generally in life. I used to say to kids, be selfish. And my parents were like, why are you telling my kids to be selfish? It's like, well, actually, they need to think about what's going to make them better. And then that will reflect on everything else. And I think there's a stigma around the word selfish. It's always seemed like, oh no, you're just so conceited and vain and thinking insular to yourself. Actually, it, it does radiate out. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to end this episode too. I mean, really seeing the metaphor, words are hard, people. Uh, metamorphosis <laughs> uh, by Hilary Duff that you've had over the last year, really just reinvigorating everything that you've mm -hmm. done. It shows like you've, you're glowing. You're like, mm -hmm. I haven't seen like this much like from you in so long that I'm excited to see how this year treats you and like all the different avenues that you're going to venture into the mm -hmm. things that you're going to like hone in on the things that are continuing to evolve. I feel like mm -hmm. this is going to be a phenomenal year for you, Shirley. Thank you so much for uh, getting you. to share this with us. Thank you for having me and thank you for letting me share and regurgitate 15 years of craziness in the content creation world. And yeah, fingers crossed, things will go well. Yeah, I believe they will too, especially. So, I mean, for anyone that's curious on where they can find you online, uh, where would you uh, be found? So I'm really simple in the way I have my social media. It's all the same because obviously the spelling of my name is unique. So all my social media, which is TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter is at Shirley Shells. So that's all, that's where I have all my like social platforms. I don't have to change my name for anything, which is great. So that's um, Shirley Shells on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I have my website, which I'll be launching soon called Shirley.com. And I have other platforms, Walton at World, uh, for Disney content, Shirley versus food for food content. And yeah, just keep up to date with everything else if you follow me. I know. I'm so excited to see what comes of everything too. And also unified handles, good for the brand. You never mm -hmm. know. 
Yeah, and uh, speaking of which, you can find me across socials at Jose on the air, uh, twitch.tv, when I decide that I do want to still live stream. It's not that I don't want to. It's just life has a lot of things going on where it seems like sitting down for a couple hours at a time is kind of foreign now. But yeah, twitch.tv slash Jose, can you see letters U and C? Uh, you can find me on this YouTube channel here at the Jose Gonzalez. Uh, and the wrestling world of things uh, coming this month, I will be making my official pro wrestling commentary debut for Nickel City Wrestling here in Buffalo, New York for their show Quested Champions on Sunday, February 26th at the Eastern Hills Mall in uh, Williamsville, New York. For ticket information, you could go to ncwwrestling.book text.com i'm looking forward to starting this new venture in the world of play-by-play commentary in the wrestling space and i look forward to seeing you all on another episode of content with creation so make sure that you give this episode a like make sure you comment what you liked, what you didn't like make sure you're subscribing on youtube rating us five stars across audio platforms apple google spotify make sure that you get to share this with a friend and be on the lookout for things on social media regarding the show because you might be able to get a view uh, a taste of each episode a little bit earlier than it goes up so be on the lookout on twitter and i will see you all next time take care everybody <laughs>